Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the great privilege that you give us to, to be able to be the instrument that you use to share the gospel to people who don't know you. Here, where we are now, to our neighbors, to people who we know uh, at work, school, but also in nations that no one in that whole nation has heard of Jesus. And we pray that you help us to see how uh, you want us to do this, how you want us to be involved in this, and how you want us to grow in the ministry, how you want us to have progress in our lives. Lord, help us to see how, um, how you have called each one of us to be part of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so open your Bibles to 1 Timothy 4. Uh, the passage that we'll read is from verse uh, 7 through 16. So, um, and as we talk about our desire to see the church here and in Brazil, not only alive, but also thriving, um, this passage will help us to see what is required of us for, uh, for the church to be thriving, for the church to be not only healthy, but fit in the ministry. So 1 Timothy 4, uh, from verse 7, says this. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So in this passage, this young guy, Timothy, he is being trained to be fit to be a pastor, to be ready and prepared to be a pastor. And he's being taught so many important things that he needs to have in his life for him to thrive in the ministry. But these principles that he's being taught that he needs to apply into his ministry, these are principles that all of us can benefit from. These are uh, principles that all of us need to have in our lives because we are all called to be involved in the ministry as well. So to, uh, this morning we wanted to go through what these things are. What are the steps for us to be fit in godliness in our lives? Uh, and as we talk about being fit, uh, a lot of the language that Paul is using here is uh, it has to do with exercise, with being fit, with uh, you know active things because. 
exercise was a big deal in, in their society at that time. People were exercising. That's when the Olympics started. Uh, so being fit was very important, and everybody was thinking about that. So he's using a lot of that language. Uh, but a lot of times, health uh, comes to our minds, especially in, in times like these. Being fit and being healthy comes to our minds. Um, and, and I wonder how many of you guys have uh, been challenged to be more healthy, to be more fit. Uh, how many of you guys have ever followed a, a, a workout program or a diet, either because you wanted to be more fit or because your doctor told you that if you didn't do that, you're going to die? <laughs> how many of you guys have, have been there? How many of you guys thought that, that was hard to, to follow that and to be diligent with that? So yeah, it's hard to be fit. It's hard to be healthy. Uh, and it's a lot more challenging to be spiritually fit. It's a lot more challenging to be spiritually healthy. And it requires a lot of discipline for, uh, from us. Uh, the same way that being physically healthy requires discipline and requires us to, do, to take some steps that are not comfortable, being spiritually fit requires us to have discipline and to take steps that are not comfortable. And when I think of not being comfortable, I think of this one time that uh, my seminary asked all of the students to run a 10K. Um, and I don't run. I just run if I'm in danger. That's the only, the only time you see me running is if something is running after me. I never run, but they, they were telling us, you need to do this because we need to raise funds for the seminary and we want everybody to be involved. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's going to be fine. And I'm thinking, you know, it, this is not going to be a problem. I was 25 years old at a time and I was pretty healthy. I didn't have any issues. So I think, I thought, it's going to be fine. I can run on 10K. It's going to be okay. So I go, I get ready for it, and on the day of the 10K, I'm feeling great. I wake up in the morning, and I'm feeling like I'm going to do this, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, and I start running, and the first mile that I'm running, everything is great. I'm running faster than everybody else. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get there before everybody gets there. And then by the second mile, things start to get a little harder, and a little harder, and, and by the 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 5K point, I am dying. I cannot even keep going anymore. I'm sweating, my legs are burning, I cannot even feel my feet anymore, uh, and it's just terrible. Everything's, I'm shaking, uh, and, and then I'm, I, I struggle, and I finally get closer and closer to the end, and then I see these little kids passing me, <laughs> this mom carrying her baby passing me, but finally I make it to the, to the end line, and I get there, to the finish line. And, and I made it, so th that's it. I made, I made it to the end, uh, but after that, the whole week was a challenge. You know, even getting to the car was hard, and I was sore for at least a month after that. So it was pretty hard, it was pretty tough. I made it to the, to the end line, to the finish line, but I, I never did it again. So, I'm, <laughs> I, and if you uh, invite me to go to a, a 10K, I will go to watch you run, but I'll probably not join you. But anyway, it was, it was really challenging. And why do you think it was so challenging for me to do that? Why do you think it was so hard? I think the reason was, why, was, was that I didn't prepare. I didn't run. I didn't do anything to prepare for that. I just thought that I could just face that race and I would do great. And even though I finished the race, it, was, it could have been so much better. It could have been so much more enjoyable. It could have been so much more useful. And I wouldn't be that sore after it. Uh, so this morning, that's what I want to call you to do. I want to call you to be spiritually fit. 
I want to call you to be prepared for the race. We are all running a race, this race of life that the Lord calls us to run. And some of us may be more prepared than others. Some of us may be more fit for the race than others. But I want to call you guys to, to see how uh, the Lord is giving us things for us to be more prepared for this race. For us to, to not only be healthy and not, not only make it to the end, but to be, to be thriving throughout the whole race. Um, a lot of times we are not fit, fit spiritually because we believe lies. Because we, we believe things that are not true. We believe that we can run this race without uh, any discipline, without reading our Bibles, without making time for prayer, without godliness in our lives. And that's just silly. That doesn't make any sense. And uh, verse 7 in this passage says that, it says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. So we shouldn't believe those things. We shouldn't believe these myths that tell us that uh, if we are not, we, if we don't, don't have any discipline in our lives, we can still run the race well. Because that's not, not true. But we should train ourselves. We should invest. We should have discipline to train ourselves for godliness. And as we talk about godliness so much, what is this word? What does godliness mean? Godliness in the Bible, it means uh, to please God with our actions. It means that we are doing everything we can to please God. That our going life is not to please ourselves, it's not to please others, but it's to please God first and foremost. And everything that we do is around that. So as we talk about godliness, that's what it is. Living a life of godliness is to live a life that pleases God in every little thing that we do. And in verse 8 says, While bodily training is of some value... And I wish I knew this before I ran my 10K. <laughs> um, godliness is of value in every way. And like I didn't take my, my physical training seriously before that 10K, a lot of times we don't take our spiritual training very seriously. We think that we can just wing it. Um, and we fail to see that if we invest in godliness, that if we train ourselves for godliness, that is something that will, that will give us benefits in many things in our lives, in every area of our lives. If you are a godly man who is disciplined and who, who is investing in godliness, uh, that has benefits for your life as a husband. And that has benefits in your life as a father, as a worker, as a neighbor. People around you will benefit from that. If you're a godly teenager that has benefits in your life, uh, uh, in the way that you honor your parents, in the way that you interact with your siblings, in the way that uh, you go to school and people see Christ in you, and if you're pursuing godliness as a woman, that has benefits for you because you become a friend that other women, women can trust. You become someone who is a reference for people. Verse 8 says that... Uh, it holds promise for this present life, but also for the life to come. And then verse 9, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Godliness is something that bears fruit for this life. As we live as godly men, godly teenagers, godly women, but also it holds promise for eternity. How many things have you done this week that, has, that have eternal value? Just think about everything that you did this week. How much time uh, you spend doing things that you know hold eternal value. And how many, how many times did you spend 
doing things that don't have, didn't have any purpose? How many times did you spend watching TV for no purpose? Or on social media for no purpose? Or just, have, just having me time for no real purpose? And how, many, how much time did you spend serving your church and your family, reaching out to your neighbors to the people around you, praying, spending time in the Word, things that you know hold eternal value? Eternity is the end that we need to strive for. And everything that we do, we need to think about this. Does this hold eternal value? And it, it may seem, and even watching TV may hold eternal value. If you're doing that with your family and you're talking about what you're watching and you're having a, a, a fruitful time with them. But how can you do things that truly hold eternal value in your life? How can you change uh, from doing things that have no purpose to invest in your time towards eternity? And that's something that we all need to do. We all need to think about this um, and, and, and strive for eternity. And that's what verse 10 says, for this end we toil and strive. So when we, when we think about these words, toil and strive, a lot of times this sounds like legalism. This sounds like you know, doing things because you just have to do them. Uh, but there's a huge difference between legalism and this that Paul's, Paul is t telling us to do. Legalism is when we do things that the Bible doesn't necessarily tell us to do, but we do them because we want to look good, because we want God to be impressed at us. And then we demand other people to do the same. That's what legalism looks like, and it's exhausting, it's tiring. But training for godliness and, be, and having discipline in our godliness is when we obey God because we love Him, because that's what we want to do. And we want to be useful for him. We want God to use us. And we know that that requires discipline. We know that that takes discipline for us to be able to do that. And when we think of that, uh, it makes me think of athletes. Athletes, uh, when they're training for a medal, when they have a goal, they have discipline. Because, because that's, what, that's what they want to do. They want that medal. They, they know their goal. They, they know their objective. And they train for that. And they know that if they just ate a burger here and there, that wouldn't be a problem for them. But each one of those burgers, we put them behind a little bit. We put them behind someone else. And they know that if they have a milkshake every once in a while, it won't be a big deal. It won't put them that way behind. But they know that each, one, each time that they do that, it puts them just a little bit behind. And they know that if they skip training, that won't be a big deal for them. But they know that each time that they do that, that they will slack behind a little bit. How many of, of us think of our spiritual lives like that? That we know that there are certain things that we can do and they are not going to be a big deal, but they will put us behind a little bit. Uh, a lot of times that looks like, you know, skipping church on a Sunday morning that we know, when we know that we could be there and uh, nothing is keeping us from that. In these times, there is a lot of things that can prevent us from coming, but oftentimes there's nothing really preventing us from coming to church on a Sunday morning or talking to someone about the gospel there are so many things that we know that uh, will push us forward, and we just don't do it. D just don't do those things. A lot of times, you know, we know that watching that TV show that's not really appropriate is not going to be a big deal for us, but it pushes us behind just a little bit. And if we keep that pattern of staying behind and staying behind, when we look back, we'll see that we are slacking a lot. 
So having that discipline will help us to move forward and to be fed for godliness in our lives. So think about it. What is, what is your Big Mac? What is your milkshake? What is that thing that keeps you behind? That you know it's not a big deal. It's not going to destroy you. But it can create a pattern of laziness in your spiritual life. So my concern is that in order to avoid legalism in our lives, we become lazy and weak Christians that are not fed to run the race of life. So in verse 10, he, he says, We strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. The truth is that our hope is in the Lord. Our hope for us to live a fit life, a fit spiritual life, is in what the Lord can provide us with. There is nothing in ourselves that can really please God. But God is fully pleased in Christ. And when we are in Christ, He looks at us and He's truly pleased with us because we are in Christ. So if you've been, if you've been trying to please God, if you've been trying to please people, by your own merits, that doesn't work. It will just make you exhausted. What we all need to do is to repent, to trust that what Jesus did for us at the cross is enough uh, for Christ, for God to be pleased with us and to, to trust in Him and to give our lives to Him. And when we do that, God is pleased with us because we are in Christ. And then we are able to live a life that pleases God. Only when we trust in Christ. Only when we are safe in Him. So if that's something that you haven't done yet, this is the first thing you need to do. Trust Christ. Trust that what He did at the cross is enough to save you. And, and trust Him as your Savior, your Lord, and your greatest treasure. This passage tells us that God gives common grace to everyone. That's what He means when He says He's the Savior of all people. He gives common grace to everyone, but He gives special grace, special love, and special care to His children. And He gives us here in this passage five things that we can do to be fed in godliness, to be prepared for the race of life. So now we're going to go through what these five steps are for us to be fed in godliness. So, so the first step comes from verse 11. Verse 11 says, uh, Command and teach these things. And then verse 12, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So the first step is to cultivate a godly character. Cultivate a, a godly character. We need to be an example to everyone around us. Each one of you here, you need to be an example to the people around you. And a lot of times we can come up with excuses for that. Uh, a lot of times we can say, you know, I am too young to be an example. There's, I don't have anything to show for to be an example to people. Or I am too old to be an example. Or I am too busy. I am t we can come up with so many things. But the truth is that for us who have been saved by Christ, who have the Holy Spirit living in us, that we don't have any excuses not to be an example, not to set an example in our character, in our speech, in the way that we speak to people, by not being sarcastic, by not gossiping, by speaking the truth and not speaking in anger, being an example in our conduct, by working hard in every opportunity that we have, 
by being a godly parent, being someone that people can look at and see Christ clearly in us, in our love, in the way that we give out of our time, out of our resources to people, um, in the way that we serve, in our faith, uh, in the way that we trust God in everything. And it's in times like this that our faith is really tested. How much do we trust God? How much do we live in fear? So we need to set an example, even in, in these times, uh, an example in our faith, in the way that we trust God. Impurity, by keeping yourself pure and faithful to your spouse and to your God, we are all called to be an example, and we don't have any excuses. If you are thinking of excuses that you have now, that may actually be an opportunity for, us to be, for you to be an example in that specific area. We don't have any excuses. Every believer needs to be an example. And for that, for us to be an example, we need to take the second step here. We need to elevate the scriptures in our lives and in our ministry. Elevate the scriptures in your life and in your ministry. On verse 13, he says, Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. And when we think about us elevating the scriptures in our lives and also in our ministry, this makes me think of this one time uh, that uh, Bree and I were hiking. Uh, we were hiking with a group, and we had a tour guide going with us. And the tour guide, he, he was always telling us, make sure you're drinking water. Make sure you're drinking water. He kept reminding us of that. And he, he, I asked him, why do you, keep us, do you keep telling us to drink water every second? So he told us this story that uh, he was uh, guiding this other group, uh, and he was telling people to drink water. He, he wouldn't forget to tell people to drink water. But one thing that he forgot to do is to make sure that he was drinking water. Uh, so he was going up the mountain and he forgot to drink water. And then he tour guide, the tour guide passes out. He, he, he passed out of dehydration. And then the, the other people didn't know what to do. So the guy that's in charge, the guy that's supposed to keep everybody going, he passes out and he, he is gone. Uh, and eventually he, he got better and he, he was able to keep going. But a lot of times we do that as we want to elevate the scriptures and teach people around us. We, we try to do our best to teach the Bible to our kids, uh, to other people that we know in Sunday school and things like that. But we are not investing in our own lives with the Lord. We are not having our own time in the Lord, uh, with the Lord in, in, the, in the scriptures. We forget to drink water. We, we, we make sure that people are drinking that spiritual water but we are not drinking water ourselves. So it's so important for us that we make sure that we spend time with the Lord in his word, in prayer, as much as we can, so that we will be able to serve other people as well. But if we don't drink from that water, we won't be able to give water to others. So we need to make sure that we are doing that, spending time with the Lord often, daily, as much as we can, and also serving others. And, and how can we do that? How can we serve others? How can we teach God's word to others? There are so many ways we can do that. For some of you, it may look like teaching a Sunday school class or teaching a kids class or something like that. But also uh, sitting across the table from a friend of yours who is having uh, marriage problems and just giving wisdom from scripture to that person. So look for opportunities to do that. Look for opportunities to share that water with people around you, but also make sure you're drinking from it. 
And then we can take this other step as well to exercise our gifts for the good of others. To exercise our gifts for the good of others. Uh, that comes from verse uh, t- uh, 14. It says this, Do not neglect the gift you have. Uh, and a lot of times we do that. And, and when I think of neglecting the gifts that we have, I think of this time uh, when Brie asked me to make a shelf for her, for her to put her coffee gear. How many of you guys like coffee? How many of you guys enjoy having your hot coffee in the morning? It's really great. Brie loves it. She's a coffee girl. She loves coffee. So she has her espresso maker and all that stuff. But it was sitting on the counter, so it didn't, it didn't really look good there. It was kind of like on the, in the way for her to do things. So she asked me to make a shelf for her to put her coffee. So I got the wood and I got all the supplies to make that shelf. However, I don't really do a lot of woodwork. It's not something that I usually do. So I, I look up on the internet how to do this uh, and, I, and I have some tools at home. So I think it's gonna go well again. Uh, let's see how this goes. <laughs> so uh, I, I put everything there and I have to cut the wood. And the only thing that I could find in our toolbox was a handsaw. So I start cutting the wood with a handsaw, and I'm thinking, okay, this is gonna take me, you know, a couple of hours to do this. Uh, on the website, it said that it's gonna take you two hours to do this, uh, and I, I'm, I'm cutting things on the handsaw, and two hours are gone, and I'm still cutting wood. <laughs> and cutting wood with a handsaw takes a lot of time. It's really hard. So I spend the whole day doing that, just cutting the wood. I didn't even assemble things yet. I was just cutting wood. Uh, and and I, finally, I finally do it. I finally assemble everything and everything is good. And, and I make the shelf. It's kind of rough in the edges, but it works and it's there. Uh, and I think she likes it. You like it, right? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> the shelf is there. And then I, I'm, I'm cleaning up my stuff and I'm starting, to, I'm starting to put the tools back in the toolbox. And when, and when I look in that big toolbox, guess what was in the bottom of the toolbox? an electric saw. <laughs> that would have made everything a lot better. But how many times do we do that in our ministry as well? How many times we forget to rely on the Holy Spirit, to rely on the gifts that He's given us, and we try to do everything by ourselves. We try to put our efforts there, but we are not using the gifts that the Holy Spirit is giving us. And guys, the Holy Spirit is giving us gifts. All of us, all believers, we receive gifts from the Holy Spirit to be used in the ministry. So look around. What are the needs in the ministry? What are the needs in the kids' ministries, in the, uh, the youth ministries? Uh, what are the needs in this congregation? And how can you use your gifts that you already have to serve in that ministry? What are the needs in your community? And how can you use the gifts that you already have, that the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit has already given you to serve? And also look around the world. What are the needs? We just talked about how there are hundreds of nations that haven't heard the gospel. How can you use your gifts, your resources to be involved in that? We all have given a lot. And we need to be faithful with that. We need to use that for the benefit of others. How will you do that? So uh, we use our gifts um, so that we can do the next step, to immerse ourselves in the ministry. And uh, this step comes from verse 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. 
Why? So that all may see your progress. A lot of times we just want to tiptoe in the water of the ministry. And we don't want to jump in the water. We, we, don't, we don't want to swim in the water. We just want to do it as far as it's comfortable. But we don't really want to get wet in that water of the ministry. But you can tell the difference between someone who is just tiptoeing in the water and someone who is really involved. You can tell the difference between someone who never jumps in a pool, who just tiptoes in the water of that pool, and a professional swimmer. You can look at them and see the difference. And you can also tell the difference between people who do not want to get too involved in ministry, who do not want to get too involved in other people's lives, and other people who are really jumping in and getting involved. And that's what we're called to do. We are called to immerse ourselves in these things. We're called to immerse ourselves in the ministry. And when we do that, when we truly immerse ourselves, when it's not, uh, we go beyond the, comf the comfortable, uh, that's when people start to see progress in our lives. That's something that we are all supposed to, to, to have in our lives. You are supposed to look at a Christian and see progress. You're supposed to look at your pastors and see progress in their lives. But also, the, your, pastor, your pastors are supposed to look at your lives and see progress in your lives as well. And progress comes when we get our hands dirty. Progress comes when we do these things, when we cultivate a godly character, when we elevate the scriptures in our own lives and in the lives of others, when we elevate, when we exercise the gifts that God has given us for the good of others. And when we, we immerse ourselves in the ministry, when we get our hands dirty and we get involved in things. And then we come to the last, the last step that we need to take to be fit in godliness. Watch yourself. Verse 16 says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Keep a close watch on your character and in your doctrine. On the things that you do and the things that you say. A lot of times, we are really good in our doctrine. We, do, we know our Bibles really well, but we don't show that with our actions. But they are both very important. Most people who are disqualified from serving in ministry, they're not disqualified because of their doctrine, but they, a lot of times they're disqualified because of their character. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of both. And if our doctrine fails, our character will start to fail as well. So invest in having a very solid doctrine, but also a character that is above reproach. And we need to keep a close watch on both. Persist in this, he continues to say that in verse 16, persist in this, uh, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So he's not saying that we have this, the power to save other people by our actions. But he's saying that if, you, if we are lazy in our spiritual walk, if we have no progress in our lives, if we have no growth in our lives, that will affect not only us, but also the people around us, the people who we are called to, to, to serve. That will affect them as well. But if we train ourselves for godliness, if we have progress, if we have growth in our lives, that will, that will have benefits for us, but also for the people who we serve. This is something that goes way beyond ourselves, that affects everyone around us. So the key 
to godliness in our lives. The key to progress and to growth in our Christian life is in doing these things, is in cultivating a godly character, in elevating the scriptures in your life and in your ministry, in exercising the gifts that the Lord has given us for the good of others, in immersing ourselves in the ministry, and in watching ourselves, in remaining faithful. My hope for you this morning is that you will not be like me when I was doing that 10K, is that you will run this race of life, this spiritual race that the Lord has given us, but that you will thrive in this race. And whether you are in the first mile or getting close to the end, that you will continue to run faithfully and calling others to join you in this race. So if you are not thriving now, jump in and start now. Start training and, and look to the end and finish the race well to hear God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That is something that all of us want to hear. And it starts now as we run this race. Let's pray. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.